and welcome to Racing Incident, a Formula One and sometimes other motorsport podcast in an American accent. I'm Anna, and today I actually have with me someone who doesn't have an American accent, so I'm going against the whole theme of the podcast here, but uh, I am very, very happy to welcome someone who uh, I've characterized him already online as uh, a Team LH bad boy, uh, which I think he kind of is a bit. Uh, you know, last week we had Rashian, who's a t- who we consider a Team LH celebrity, and now we have someone who's more controversial, perhaps. Uh, among the Team LH fandom, and that is uh, someone who most of you will know him as uh, his Twitter username, which is Thanos with some numbers uh, on it as well. 876. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but his name actually is Neil. Uh, so Neil, welcome to the show. Hi, Anna. Thank you. And thank Hi. you for having me on. And thanks for the introduction. Uh, the Twitter bad boy, Twitter... I don't know. Yeah, probably. I, I, actually, I take it. I take it. I take it. I don't mind. I, yeah. I wear it with pride. I tend to. I tend to rub, um, rub people the wrong way, but I take. I do that. I enjoy doing that. Actually, <laughs> I had a kind feeling. I had a feeling. It's, kind of it's said with yeah. love. It's said with yes. love. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I you know I wanted to talk to you mainly because um, you're obviously you know as I said you're. Um, out there a lot in terms of on social media and talking to other fans and et cetera. And sometimes um, even though we're both kind of, you know, team LH type people, uh, sometimes we don't agree. And I thought it'd be interesting to talk about some of those things too. But I guess the first thing is that I do like to usually ask people is, you know, kind of a, for a lot of people, maybe a boring question, but you know, what, how did you first get into motorsport? Do you only watch F1 or do you watch other motorsports? What's your whole story? Well, well, my origin story is, you know, I got involved into Formula 1. It's because of my mom, actually. She was the biggest Mika Hakkinen fan back in the day. And when I moved to the UK, I don't know, it was just one Sunday afternoon. We were indoors and going through the channels. And so I happened to popped on to ITV. I can't remember what race it was. And my mom was like, oh, leave it there. I want to watch this because Mick Hacken is. And I was like, what's this? And she's like, explain it to me. And I mean, that's when the love affair with the sports started. And I've been a fan since then. How I'm... old were you at the time? Oh, no, that means I'm going to give my age away. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was 10 years old. Okay. <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> nah, nah, I wasn't 10 years old. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a teenager. Put it that Well, actually, I was a teenager. Yeah, I was a teenager at that time. But okay, there you yeah, go. that that was the that was when the love affair started with it, and I've been a fan ever since. I've been, you know, McLaren, Mika, as Mika was my first, you know, driver that I truly followed. When he left, I just watched because I still enjoy the sport, but at the same time, I was keeping up with other series. I, you know, you know that name popped up. In the junior categories in the UK, Formula Renault, all of these Euro F- F3 series, Lewis Hamilton name pops up. You didn't really get to see all the races, but occasionally you'd see them. There was, I can't remember, there was a channel that you could see them on occasionally. So, and you'd have to buy. And at that point, we didn't have social media or the internet or anything like that where we could get that information. So you had to go down to the corner store every. I think it was every Monday to buy the Autosport magazine to wow. you know, read up on all of the things that 
went on over the weekend and so on. So I started with that and I'm a big motorsports fan. I watch, actually, I just like sports in general, but it depends, depends on the sport. I'm not too, I still don't, people say rug, um, darts is a sport. I still don't agree with that because <laughs> my view of sports is if you can't, if it can't seriously injure you or if you can't die from it, it's not really a sport, is it? It's just, I know it's a bit, I know it's kind of, I know it's kind of cool way of looking at it, but. You know, so I like. I'm. 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 I'm a big sports guy. I'm always <laughs> watching sports. It's even now where where you're recording this. I've got in the background. I'm. I've got the IPL T20 cricket going on in the background. So, <laughs> so, so that's me. And in terms of, I don't just watch Formula One. I like V8 supercars, but I can't get that because I don't have the channels for it. I'm into, I've watched BTCC. Mm-hmm. I'm into MotoGP. I watch all the MotoGP car- mm-hmm. categories. British Superbikes, World Superbikes. If AMA is on, mm-hmm. that's the American Superbikes Championship. If that's on, I'll catch a bit of that. So if it's sports and I like it, I'll watch it. So just, I think that's that's the point. Gotcha. Yes. That is a lot of sports. Yes, that is. is a whole lot of sports for sure. Now, let me say counterpoint on the darts thing. Now, uh, what if I'm playing darts and I throw a dart and someone walks in front of the dartboard and the dart goes right in their eye? Now, that's someone well, getting hurt. What do you think? I don't know. But I, I don't. I, <laughs> then that person isn't actually playing. They're just an uh, innocent bystander. I'm more like if you as the athlete or the participant don't, doesn't get hurt, <laughs> can't get hurt in that manner, then not really. Because all you're doing is just throwing the thing at a, a, a small board and counting down yeah, numbers. And it's yeah. like, what? What? Where's the. Yeah. I'm not you know. saying I think it's a sport. So I, I don't I question really either, it. but I'm, I'm just yeah, I question playing devil's advocate. Yeah, question people who says arts is a sport. I just don't see it as a sport as well as chess. I don't know. I I could see that point of view, I guess, because I think of it as like something that requires some kind of either physical, well, I guess really? physical skill in this case, because you are, you do have to throw, you're throwing the dart and you have to be accurate and, you know, not everyone can do that. And probably people that are really good at it, you know, can do it better than yeah, someone true, who, but, uh, you know, doesn't have true, a lot of experience. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll argue with them forever that darts is not a sport. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, so you've been you've been a fan yep. for a long time, as compared to someone like me, and um, you've seen a lot more than I have. Um, what do you What do you think keeps you being a fan of? I don't want to say sport necessarily, because while we're having this discussion about whether it's a sport or not, you know, I'm reminded of like I recently did a. Um, um, Twitter space where I asked a Formula One engineer friend of mine questions that people submitted, and then mm-hmm. I shared the answers to the questions. And somebody did ask something about what's like they said. I forget what the question was, but it was like uh, the where they called F one a sport. And my engineer friend was like, "It's not a sport. It's an entertainment oh, package." <laughs> and I think about that a lot. And you know, obviously, in especially many events of recent years, uh, but. What 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 keeps you keeps you engaged in it? You I know, all um these years? mainly if, if we're looking at Formula One, it's the speed, it's the adrenaline of it, it's the it's the skill that's required to do what these guys 
do because it's it's not not any normal human being can just the idea that you know someone can say and say oh yeah I can do this I can do that it's not really no you can't because <laughs> yeah a case in point um a couple of years ago I was at a fun fair and they had a Formula One simulate um a simulator there simulator at the track so I went Ooh. I went in it's it's like you have a lot of people in so I went in and it was a lap of Silverstone driven by Michael Schumacher I think it was I can't remember if he was in the Benetton or it was the 96 Ferrari and let's just say one when that ride was over and I stepped out I felt like I was gonna throw <laughs> and my legs were weak and I'm thinking <laughs> there's absolutely no way you can just look at these guys and think yeah what they're doing isn't it's absolute it's brutal on the body it yeah. takes a lot of you know mm-hmm. training and if so you look at them as superhumans because what they're doing defy in some ways should defy the laws of physics but they are able to do it so I, I enjoy the speed the adrenaline it's just the you know the competition of it I like I'm a sort of person I like sports where, you, where there's competition I like that competing element of sports that what that's what interests me more than anything else you know because then you get to see who is the the best of the best um going up against each other so for, so you know to answer the question it's just the adrenaline of it the excitement that's what keeps me going but I think it's in with Formula One I'm kind of like waiting for Lewis to retire so I can go bye and I'm done because I've <laughs> you know like your engineer friend said it's an entertainment package and I think that's what they're trying to market Formula One as now as an entertainment package rather than a sport and I've always said entertainment is a byproduct of sport you get mm-hmm. entertainment from their their com the competition if you want if you want to pack something that's 100 percent geared towards entertainment go watch wwe go watch wrestling because that's choreographed that's pre-written scripts that they're working to sports should not be about that sports should be about competing mm-hmm. yeah. and the best person wins i don't care i don't care if you feel like you've you know you don't have the same that's the name of the game. No, you're not. It's it's never going to be a level playing field where everyone has the exact same resources, funding, and so on to compete. It's seeing the underdogs succeed against the bigger, the big dogs in sport. Like, case in point, a couple of years ago, I can't remember what year it was, Leicester City. They were, I believe they were 5,000 to 1 to win the Premier League. And they won the Premier League. And you look at Leicester City as a club and you're like, how did you beat the likes of a Liverpool, a Chelsea, a Arsenal, a Man City, a Man United. These are clubs that has infinitely more financial resources. They can attract the bigger name players. But this team of players that were just came together as a unit, played as a team, defied the odds over a 38-game season and won the league. That's what I like about sport. It's that competition element of it. And if it's, if I don't, if I no longer feel like that's there I lose interest in it because it just feels like it's just orchestrated not packed as you said your friend said 
is that how you're starting to feel then about Formula One? You kind of alluded to that, saying that you know they're they're going very much for the entertainment aspect. Yeah, I think after what happened in Abu Dhabi, I kind of you know like, okay, what's going on? And if you the constant talk from those within the sport, people who run the sport, you know, we want to entertain, we want to do this, you know, we want and all the the gimmicks that they're coming with to try and raise the entertainment factor of it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more of a, in some ways, a traditionalist. So I'd like it to remain right. um, true to its core. We don't need to be doing all of, all of these talking about sprint races and so forth. I think if the car, if, <laughs> if. Oh yeah, you're not, not a fan really, then, Because it doesn't really offer races. much. It does, it's, it's basically the, the full race at a shorter distance, it doesn't, it's still going to be yeah. the top dogs. If you quali- if the big teams qualify at the front, it's more likely they're going to win the race. What do you think about the changes that they're proposing to the sprint weekend format where they're going to have, um, I think they might even already be doing this in Baku. I, I, I can't remember where they're going to have qualifying will mm-hmm. set the grid for the race. And the sprint race is going to be like a separate thing. And you do a, kind of a quick brief qualifying for that to set the grid for that. And then you get some, I forget what the point totals are that they'll give out for the sprint. So their hope uh, in making those in in doing that is they're hoping that, you know, because a lot of people of course have had the same reaction as you being like, you know, what's the point of this? You know, the people, people aren't going to want to risk their grid positions for the race on Sunday Mm -hmm. where you get the big points, you know, and, and because something could happen to you in the sprint and suddenly you're, you know, way at the back. So now they're, they're trying to eliminate, eliminate that aspect of it by uh, by making the sprint a standalone thing. So your qualifying on Friday will still determine your grid position for the race and the sprint will be its own thing. So they're hoping, I guess, the idea being that maybe people will take risks in the sprint and and not, you know, and not just kind of drive around behind each other like they have in a lot of the sprints that we've had so far. Doesn't really change much, does it? Because if if because if the qualifying on <laughs> Friday sets the grid for Sunday. And then you go into, and then you have to do another qualifying for the sprint race. So you're doing two qualifying to set two grids. What's the point of doing that? It doesn't, because what the issue that they originally, the the issue that I had with it last year was you had qualifying, then you go into the sprint race and the sprint race results sets the grid for Sunday. Um, Was that really the right way to go about it? I'm not sure because because in World Superbikes, I've been doing this for years, where they they have three race formats on the weekend. They have race one, they have um, they call it sprint qualifying, in which is a second race, and the third race, which is the main race. Now, race you do qualifying on Friday, Saturday, you go into race one, where you and then you go and then you finish race one. So race two, which is a sprint qualifying. You start where you qualified in the main race, in the first race, in original qualifying. Where you finish in the sprint qualifying is where you start the main race, which I believe that's what Formula One did last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what but, it was. That's what it was. But the thing is, so far, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't add anything extra to the to, to the weekend. It doesn't offer anything else because if you get away it's very more, more likely that where the positions will change is probably lower down the grid. But you expect the top teams to basically mm-hmm. get away into formation and more likely finish where they start. So does it really offer anything 
new, anything different? Because you still have the issue with cars basically struggling to pass each other. So if you're going to do it, why not do it in a sense whereby you have special tires just for sprint qualifying, where these tires, hmm. where that you don't use these tires throughout the entire weekend up until you get to sprint qual. Once you, the the sprint race starts, that's the first time you're going to use these tires. So you have no information whatsoever. You don't know how balance your car is going to be you don't know how high the degradation rate is going to be on these tires you never use them so then that throws in a bit of an unknown for the teams right and i mean i think that's also the thinking of formula one management you know of course as they've said is that you know practices are not as interesting for people whether they're at the track or watching at home and that they people would rather see you know something that has some meaning even if it's not a lot of points Mm. and even if it's not you know, that's something that is a race. Do you, do you think, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I guess it is more interesting for me um, to see, you know, something that's a race rather than a practice, which is where we often get, um, you know, the okay, terrible but, commentary because <laughs> they have true, nothing interesting to here's say. The thing. <laughs> you remove qualifying, you remove all the practice sessions and you shorten the race weekend from three days to say two days, Saturday, Sunday. What do you do on a Friday? You have to remember <clears throat> all of these um, promoters, they're in it, they're trying to make their money back. So if you reduce what you present on a Friday, that's less people coming through the turnstile on a Friday. No, but they'd still have they'd still have regular qualifying on Friday. So under this So you just so on Friday format. you just have qualifying and then what? No, I think you would have one, practice, one practice session and then qualifying. And then qualifying. So it's so is it really any different to what we have now, with the exception of rather than qualifying being on Saturday, it's going to be on on a Friday. It's pretty much the same thing. You just you just moving one thing right. from a from a later date to an earlier date. That's all you're doing because it's 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 similar yeah. with a sprint weekend. You have you have practice one, then qualifying, and then Saturday morning you have was it practice three, then you have the sprint race, and then on Sunday you have the main race. So is it really anything different you just moved one you just switch chairs that's all you've done yeah i mean i guess i i maybe it's because yeah. i'm not a long time uh, fan like the way you are that i'm i'm probably more open to to changes as as a means of you know like like let's see you know what i mean like maybe it'll work out maybe it won't like there have been you know they're they're still they're still you know monkeying with the format they're not they haven't made any you know, really final decisions on what it's going to be. And then I I heard somebody else actually talking about an interesting idea of what if we had specific formats for specific tracks, let's say every year. So a lot of people, of course, you know, not that interested in the race at Monaco because of uh, the current situation with the cars being large and it's difficult to pass and it's so narrow and that, you know, typically uh, barring any, you know, weird things like yeah. the weather last season or, uh, or Ferrari being Ferrari, you know, there's not much interest in that race. Um, so what if, you know, for tracks like that where it's difficult to pass and there's, you know, often just a train of cars that maybe for those tracks they're, it makes it more interesting uh, for the viewer to have something extra that's going to be, you know, that's going to have um, some some possible jeopardy or or change of but positions, here's question, or et cetera. Which track right now do we have that's actually good for any form of reason? Yeah, that's the, that's that's the <laughs> that's next a, that's, that's the next point. question. We I mean, the cars the, yeah. the cars have outgrown the tracks. They're too big, so it's. 
the idea of racing and you know where it's it's just the cars aren't made for the tracks anymore the tracks have got gotten you say the cars have got the tracks have somewhat gotten smaller if you look at it in based on the size of the car so I don't see any track on the grid that you could say actually is good for sprint racing. You think somewhere like Silverstone would be good for sprint racing, but I don't think it is. I think Silverstone has become somewhat of a difficult track nowadays simply because of how quick the cars have gotten. There's not many braking zones at Silverstone, so the, the opportunity to pass isn't that great. So it's, it's, it's a high-speed circuit. You look at somewhere like Monza, I mean, where can you really pass in Monza? I think you have one major braking zone in Monza, and that's going into turn one. But apart from that, it's like a train. Monza used to have the Truly train. You probably call Monza the Monza train now when you look at it. So there isn't really any track that you can specifically Mm -hmm. look at and say, okay, this track would be good to have a sprint race. Because really and truly, Baku is not a track to have a sprint race. I'm sorry. I don't think Baku is a good track to have a sprint race. It just has one long straight, and that's it. So you're gonna pr- you're gonna hope that all yeah. the, the, the you know the excitement happens on that one straight. And who's gonna pass the Red Bull? Nobody. Well, yeah, there's other cars. Yeah, that true. Might but pass people. I mean, you want to see someone passing the Red Bulls. You want to see. You don't want to see action just. Well, I don't think yeah, we're gonna see true. that this probably, season necessarily. Yeah, probably won't even see it next year either. <laughs> that's a but, separate matter. You know, we can only hope. Well, I think right. if if they want it to work, they have to throw an unknown factor into it, and which is where my suggestion. Oh, sorry, my I've got the I've sprinklers got sorry, on the I've track. got the blinds <laughs> in my window open, so the sun's coming up and down. Yeah, no it's, worries. That, that's no where worries. I suggest. Yes, sprinklers <laughs> oh, on the track. Bernie, remember, Bernie's, remember Bernie's that no idea. Infamous idea. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not gonna work. I think you just have you know if you have a tire that no one knows about they have no data whatsoever they have they can't do any setup work on it spend race time we give you one set of the tires that's what you have to go on go do the laps and you're gonna have to make it work and then they, then that. that's a bit of unknown so you know teams how teams go about managing that that might work but given the current format it's pretty much status quo because the guys they're so good engineers are so good that one practice session could be enough to get the car set up well enough. Granted, it doesn't right. always work. Kissing right. points, um, Brazil last year with Red Bull because they messed up this they setup because yeah. they only had one practice session. But even so, that only affected, basically affected them. It didn't really affect anybody else. So you have to put something there that, yeah. you know, because you're not going to get the the excitement you want naturally, and if you're going to create, you want to create a product, an artificial way right. of excitement. Then I think that's how you go about it. Just okay. <laughs> here's your mystery box. Go racing and see what happens. <laughs> but right now, right now, I, I, like I don't that. know. I like that. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for sure. Because like I've seen, you know, some like some, and the drivers aren't. Um, in agreement, in full agreement on it either. Um, you know, as we all know, Max famously hates the sprints. So that's probably the one thing oh, you and Max God. are in agreement about uh, in life in general. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel life is Sorry, coming to an end. But I got, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's something you guys agree on. You know, he has said, 
I mean, he's even, you know, I'm sure you've seen, he said that like, if F1 keeps doing things like this, then I'm not going to be here that much longer. Okay. Well, well, I agree with, I agree with all the changes they're making. Then. I hope they speed it up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, see, <laughs> I was like, is yeah, that a promise? Max? Like, um, <laughs> well, one can only hope, but, um, but you know, so he's not, uh, in, into them. Um, Alex Alban recently said something about, you know, I think, which is a valid point that, you know, it's not something that can benefit really teams at the back that much or towards the back like him it can only probably cause them problems potentially because if you think about it especially with the cost cap and teams that are lower resourced you know even under the cost cap uh some of course teams are right at the cost cap some are not you know that that if you're and especially if you're a team that's lower down the order and you're starting out in the middle of the pack or towards it you know you're more likely to get mm -hmm. into some kind of a situation in a sprint race or, or any other thing you know and then and then you're going to potentially have spent a lot of money on um on an yeah, accident or something you know in that situation and and there's not much reward in it but for i believe you. there's something in the regulation that says if there's any form of accident teams are compensated a certain amount i think yeah i did they did yeah. they did make some changes on that yeah because the teams of course that was one of their main uh main problems when they first wanted to introduce the sprint races was they were like they were even supposed to have the, the first time they did them it was three sprint races only during the whole season and then the next huh. season they wanted to do six and the teams were like no 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 not if uh, <laughs> unless you're gonna pay us unless... more for, for you know in case of damage Right, right. Yeah. Which is which is valid, which is valid. I do think sometimes that the teams have a little too much power in the whole kind of, you know, again, I don't know what to call it, if not a sport, we'll just call it a sport just, you know, because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Even if it's not really 100% a sport, um, you know, because I mean, I do think on this point, it is actually also interesting to think about it, you know, all sport hmm. is also entertainment, yep. and is also a business, right, you know, so these are things that we do see that in all other sports, too. I can definitely say, though, as a more as a newer Formula One fan as compared to other, you know, I've consumed other sports for, you know, most of my life, uh, all American sports mm -hmm. like uh, basketball, um, hockey. Well, hockey's not strictly Canadian. American, obviously, but um, you know, to some degree, American football. <laughs> it's both, um, uh, to some degree, American football. You know, things like that. And I, uh, baseball also in the U.S. is obviously very big. You know, so having come from the background of other sports as compared to Formula One, it is wildly different for me. It was a wildly different experience for me than as um, than you know than having followed those other sports because it's so different in terms of the way a lot of things are set up, you know, in terms of like the way that like the power that the teams have, the the lack of any discernible information about a lot of the things in the background in terms of you know officiating or rules or you know where you have like mass confusion oftentimes during a race or after a race or what as we've experienced you know um where it's it's so strange like you don't really see that in other sports um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty level, niche it's a pretty like, niche as you do in Formula sport One. it's, it's kind of like it's a it stands out on its yeah. own based on the whole format of it the whole, whole mm -hmm. how it's governed how it's um put together so it's a pretty niche sport you know mm -hmm. so I, I i can understand that i can understand yeah that.
but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, with the sprint races, like, so then some, some drivers are, uh, seem to be, you know, like George Russell always gives the party line of like, if it's good for business and good for, you know, then let's, let's mm. do it. Like he's, he's, uh, you know, and as a younger driver, I think he's probably less concerned about, you know, maybe traditionalism or things the way that, uh, maybe some older, although Max is also young, but he's he's a traditionalist. He's he's the type that doesn't yeah. really want to change things too much. And so there are differing opinions, um, even among the drivers and probably among other team personnel. So it's kind of one of those things that, you know, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens if they I mean, I think it's very clear that anything they do, anything that Formula One management does and and probably has always done for these reasons. You know, some of the things that people talk about in terms of modern Formula One and like the Liberty Media or the Drive to Survive era or things like that. Sometimes when people talk about that stuff as as some sort of big contrast to how it used to be in the past, I, I kind of look at that and go, do you know what happened in the past because it's not like things were necessarily vastly different in terms of you know in the past it was just an an owner like Bernie Ecclestone and other people who were trying to also squeeze every possible nickel they could out of the championship and out of uh, viewers and fans and etc and just because the attitudes of uh, Liberty Media and other stakeholders have maybe shifted in the sense of the way they present themselves the way they outwardly talk about oh we want fans to be happy mm-hmm. we love the fans we wouldn't be here if not for the fans etc in the background really things haven't changed materially I would say as compared to how things used to you know it's just that there's like a nice sheen put over everything as uh you know where it's it's more like publicly palatable uh to people but but when because when you hear things about like Stefano Domenicali saying that just because you have a race that's uh, that you've had for a long time you know in wherever location doesn't mean you're guaranteed to have that race in the future or things like that I mean you know when you you look at things like that you you think it's got to be a fact of the um, of that that a lot of these older tracks you can't squeeze four hundred thousand people in there over the course of a weekend like you can at the yeah. at uh, the newer tracks the more you know yeah and so you're not gonna so there's not gonna be as much money made um, at that and I think track or, one of the biggest know. things as well is Formula One fans don't like change and I think that's the I think that's one of right. the biggest <laughs> things that's going unrecognized at the moment. They don't like change, and especially if they feel like this change is just going to be like a gimmicky, like we're saying, sprint race. I mean, what's right. wrong with the current format of Formula One? I mean, it's pretty much the exact same. For you go into any other motorsport, they do the exact. It's pretty much the same format. Nothing has really changed, but it's only Formula One yeah. that feels, oh, we can't. We have too much practice sessions. Have you ever seen? Uh, MotoGP. <laughs> Have you? Didn't they yeah, introduce sprints this season no. in MotoGP? Yeah, MotoGP and worked out really well. Yeah, MotoGP are doing well, sprint races for every every round of the season, right? But right, I'm saying, right. you know, they're complaining. Yeah. George Russell is saying, "Oh, maybe we have too much practice session." I'm like, "Have you ever seen MotoGP? Have you? It's <laughs> Formula One now. When if we look at practice, you know, because we're going, we're talking about fans don't like change." Formula One now has less practice sessions than a couple of years ago, back in the last, I don't know, before Lewis came in. I can't remember how far back I need to go because you used right. to have all the practice sessions qualified. And on a f- Sunday morning, you had a warm-up session 
where you could go again and do more and do more practice sessions. So it's it's actually been reduced. Right. And there used to be tons of testing, tons of testing in the past. Yeah, we just don't like, like change. And I and and I think it's more on the basis of if they feel like the change is just being done to create a false sense of entertainment. Yeah, drama. Drama. Exactly. It it kind of riles people up. And it's the same thing with sprint race because the sprint race format hasn't really offered anything new. Have have we had a um in the sprint race, have we had a winner of a sprint race outside of the top three teams as yet? I don't think so. No, none none of them have been bangers other than, you know, the Brazilian, the famous, you know, Brazilian one in 2021, obviously. And the reason for that was because yeah. Lewis was coming from the back. Yeah, so so there's no, it hasn't really, in, in, has it, it hasn't, I don't think it has um, added anything different yeah. because it's just like, I, I don't, I don't get it. You know, and again, this goes back to the. Yeah, it's, I think it will the jury's be up, still out. If you look in, we'll if see. you look at the path that Dominic Harley's um, trotting, and Liberty, if it was up to them, you'd have sprint race at every race weekend. So you'd have. Right. So currently, we we have <laughs> right. what twenty three races this year. So you'd have had basically, what forty six yeah. races over the whole entire season. That's just too much. Because <laughs> even myself right. now, I've argued that. There's too many races on the calendar. 23 races is way too much for me. Yeah, I think it should have been so capped at maximum so 20. Too. Or because what you find is if you yeah. start adding more races, DNFs become less important. Less uh, the, the impact of a DNF is no longer felt because you have enough time to recuperate, recoup that lost points. Because case in point, if we had... Um, yeah. 17 races or 16 races last year. Those two two DNFs that Max encountered would have derailed this season significantly. But the fact that he had an right. additional 19 races to recover those um two those points lost didn't didn't impact him that much. So if you have one now with 23 races, 24 races, you're not gonna feel it because you yeah. still have enough time to recover. And I think so. You know, yeah, it's an interesting point because I think I wonder if it also affects the way people would yeah. race as well. Because if you have fewer races in which to, and you're you know fighting for the championship, and you don't you have fewer opportunities to score points, then it, I'm sure it, it affected people differently in the past in terms of how they would race. You know, whether you would have a situation, would you have had a situation if if you had a 17 race season? in 2021 would max still have uh done some of the things he did would would uh probably other would drivers have. have done some of the things they did you know we don't maybe probably not because maybe they'd be like well there's only this many races exactly. and i can't be stupid because i exactly. have to bank the points and so yeah it's a, it's actually it's an interesting change. point yeah formula one fans don't like change and yeah they don't yeah. and especially if the change well, you've heard Domenicali being out there saying like that there's so many people that want Formula One races because we're so huge and popular now and we could have like 34 races or some ridiculous thing like that. When he said that, I was just like, that's oh, my NASCAR. God, like I can't like be- that's stop. NASCAR. That's NASCAR. That's NASCAR. So thinking and we've yeah. we're too far in. We have too many races right now. At 23 races is just too much. You're talking about from yeah. March to December. 
Yeah, That's I hope nine it doesn't months, go up. March to I, December, when yeah. previously seasons would go up to, it's I think insane. it's probably like October. Seasons would finish in October. And you have, yeah. It, yeah. and then it doesn't restart again until is it February or March. I can't remember. Yeah, I think yeah, 20 is a good that. sweet spot. Like they have in, um, in, yeah, like in, in here in the U.S. in IndyCar, for example, we have um, there's 17 races that they have on the calendar right now, and they talk a lot about how they could benefit from having you know a few more because this way with them having only 17, they finish uh, so early as compared to other you know they finish before F1. Obviously, NASCAR, as you said, you know goes on forever, and NASCAR is more popular here in the U.S. Um, not with me personally, but with other people, <laughs> um, and uh, and so they're like we need you know we we would need to have more races than 17. And yes, I think if something like 20 is like a good number but let's not get ridiculous and start saying yeah, things like 36 just... or whatever it would exactly value exactly the championship it becomes i feel like also and then i think about all the people that have to all the people that travel to the track and all the people that work um on all the teams like they, they would have to like for me i would i mean okay maybe i guess if you wanted to do that if you wanted to expand it that much but then i would expand the cost cap to make it so that people so teams could have like let's say two mm -hmm. different crews or something like that so this crew travels like to half the races and then the other crew well, travels i mean to they're the currently half of the races or something like that so you need to hire currently do that. a lot more people i mean some teams right now they rotate team members but i gotta believe the smaller teams no, don't have the don't. resources yeah. to do that exactly so they're having to have their people go to yeah all the yeah so you know and they wouldn't unless things change in terms of giving them, you know, more resource, some, someone like Haas, even now, like I remember they, they were asking uh, recently, they were asking Gunther about like, you know, what are, what are people, you know, what have you told the team as far as, you know, that now that we've had this like long period off that we normally wouldn't have had because China got canceled that, um, you know, what, what's the team doing? What are people And Gunther's like, listen, I've told them to just like relax take a break, really get some rest in, et cetera, because then it's going to be like boom, 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 until, boom, boom, and you're not going to get any rest. Yeah. Not going to get any August. rest for a long time. It's, it's scary. Like I worry about, I worry about all those people. Like there was that, um, there was that piece that I forget when this came out, I'll put a link for you guys in the show notes, of course, as per usual, I will, I will find it of, you know, it was like this anonymous uh, F1 mechanic who wrote oh, yeah, a story that. for someone um, from, you know, his point of view. Yeah. Talking about what it's like uh, on the road, going to these races and all the work that they have to do. And even with the curfew, even like, he's like, everyone's on painkillers or is like an alcoholic or, you know, et cetera, it's like this type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there could be like some degree of exaggeration there. But like, when I read that, I was like, I was appalled and really saddened by it because, you know, these people are, they're kind of, they're, really, if you think about it, they're sort of, they're being exploited because of the fact that, you know, you could say, and, I'm, and a lot of people had this response, which is always horrible. A lot of people, when they read that or they you know, they saw that they were like, oh yeah, like tough luck, you know, like you get to, you get to work in formula one, like shut up basically. And that's, that's a horrible attitude because of course, you know, that there's so many industries like that. And I've worked in some of them myself, like in media or in, there are other things like that where people work for very little money um, in an industry that's considered you know prestige uh attractive industry that a lot of people want to be in and that comes that it has some you know uh uh that it it makes you out to be a cooler person than someone else who's like an accountant or whatever yeah, <laughs> you know things like that people think it's very glamorous yeah people think people it's, think know, because you're in formula, in formula one, one yeah a lot of people think because industries. you work in formula one it's you've now you're now in yeah. some sort of i know high pro i mean that 
do they really get paid that much? Because I mean, the average engineer. Yeah, that, I, I think I the average think engineer. In, I don't think it's engineer great. I mean, no one probably makes about seventy grand a year, probably fifty-six. You know. So. Yeah, I don't know that somebody actually asked in our um in our ask an F1 engineer Twitter space. And if I still can find the recording on there, I don't know how long Twitter keeps them. I'll link to that for you guys, too, if you want to hear it, because I did record the space. They uh, people did. Ask, someone did ask about like salaries for engineers in Formula One. And uh, my friend um, doesn't work trackside, but there I don't know. If, I don't think it would really matter necessarily whether you work mm-hmm. at the factory or at the track, how much you're getting paid. At least I don't believe so. Uh, but it was, you know, entry yeah. level. It was not a lot. I think it was like I can't I, offhand. I think it was something like, um, you know, 30 or 40,000 pounds. Uh, this is in UK, you know, for when you're just fresh out of school or something, whatever, obviously mm-hmm. you're going to make more money eventually, you know, if you stay at the team and advance in your career. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just not necessarily that much money. And, you know, people also ask like, do you get, you know, do you get to go to the track? Do you get to go there? He's like, no, we don't get any, there's no, we, there's no discount <laughs> tickets or anything like that. There's no, like, just come to the track. Like we don't, you know, they, uh, and that's, I mean, paddock passes are, if, if, if you work at a team and you can't even get a paddock pass, you know, yeah. what hope does anyone else have? Uh, basically, you know, they, they basically, the, there's no reason glamour. they would, it's not they as would, glamorous uh, as you know, people think people. it is. It's glamorous for the drivers, no. but not no, for the no, mechanics really and the backroom right. exactly. staff. It's exactly. Not, it's not glamorous. It's exactly. a tough life. Yeah. Yeah. I think about those people. I think about those people all the time and I think about the fact that again people have this attitude of like well you should be grateful just to be working in like a cool job like this but that's not that that can't sustain someone forever I can speak from personal experience when you're not getting paid and you're not necessarily I mean they do I think they Mm -hmm. get respected and appreciated and stuff like that for sure but it's like you know, but there that doesn't help you at the end of the day when you're when the drivers making however much money they're making, the team principals are making however much money they're making, the engineers are making the money they're making, etc. And you're as a mechanic or as whoever are getting paid much, 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 much less and working just as hard, some if not ridiculous harder. Ho- um, than some of those do, other people. They it do just, do some. And I mean, yeah. and I think that's that's why they brought the curfew in because you had people who were working yeah. um, all yeah. night shifts. You know they'd be at the track from like six oh, in yeah. the morning. Oh yeah, they don't, That was normal. And they don't before. leave until like yeah. two, three in the morning, four in the morning. You know, and that's kind of like you mm-hmm. know those are just and labor laws would tell you, yo, yeah, that's not acceptable. You're you're breaking so many labor no. laws. No, it's yeah. a form of exploitation. It's again, it's a form of exploitation. Like we have obviously that all over the place and, in, in, you know, late stage capitalism, obviously this is not the only place where we see that sort of thing, but it's super prominent, you know, in Formula One, I feel like, and because of the fact that, again, it's, it's uh, pretty much no one is going to be working this hard for this little money in an industry that's not considered, you know, something that people are not as passionate about. Like I've seen it also in the video game industry and other creative industries. Again, people get sort of taken advantage of because when you're really passionate about something and you love it, you know, you're willing to do a job sometimes for less money than you would, you know, if you're, if you didn't aspire growing up to be, uh, I keep bringing up accounting. I'm sorry to all the accountants. Uh, I'm sure your work is very interesting in its own way. 
Um, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, if you didn't probably know one when they're a little kid, you know, and get asked, what do you want to do when you grow up says like an accountant or, a, you know, mm-hmm. project manager or things like that, you know, people get paid more for those types of jobs, I think partially because of that, right? Because you're not, this isn't like your passion yep. and goal in life. Um, you know, to be that thing, whereas uh, something like Formula One or a creative field or, or being a writer or things like that, you know, people tend to think that you should just be happy that you get to work in the it's field. Not, and it, because that, again, it shouldn't it, be that it's way. that misrepresentation. Um, people have to think that, okay, you're in the paddock, you work there, it's, it's this glamorous, you get to see all the glitz and no, you don't. You're there to do a job like everybody else. You don't no. have time to be <laughs> yeah. running around mingling with celebrities, getting autographs. No, you have a job to do and, you know, you're there exactly. to work, you're being paid to work. So it's not all glitz and glamour. It's hard work, yep. very hard work. So no. and it a lot of people get burnt out it from is. it. And I, I'm sure, especially when you're doing all of these, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, people talk, sure. you haven't seen your family for weeks upon weeks or you, gee, you get a weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, get a weekend be here, brutal. a weekend that's there, and then brutal. you're gone again. And it's, it's all, but, you know. Yeah, if you're, like, younger and single, it's probably easier. But there are definitely people there yeah. who have families and who are back home, and they're not seeing them for a long, long, long periods of time, yeah. and that's got to be hard as well. So, obviously, a big part of Formula One fandom these days is – you know, there's so many content creators, there's so many people making um, content and you sort of, in a way, you're sort of part of that because you do the Twitter spaces a lot of the time that you host, which is uh, a type of content as well, even though it's not as permanent as other things. But do you have, how do you feel like since, especially since you've been a fan, like you said, before there was social media, before anything, you know, before uh, the internet really existed and now we're in this you know, brave new world, or some might say not as not really. Some people feel you know differently about it. How do you feel about everything? Do you feel like do you and do you consume a lot of stuff that content creators do, or are you or do you still stick more to more like mainstream sources? A uh, few content creators I'll pay attention to. I, I'll listen to other than us, yeah, of course, right? yeah. So I mean, in terms of, like, <laughs> I'm not too. I don't know. I've I've got a somewhat I've got a somewhat short attention span. So I, I genuinely can't sit and <laughs> listen to podcasts from start to finish. I pro- I, something will come and distract me and I just go, oh, mm-hmm. I can't be bothered and then I move on. But when I do, <laughs> you know, I'll, you know, I, I, I listen to people like Mist Apex because Spanners Ready, who runs Mist mm-hmm. Apex, I knew him from when he, where he started with another um, website. So I know where he's coming from and I know his content is good. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with Matt Chumpets. Whenever I'm in New York, I'll, I'll meet up with him. And whenever he's here, if I, if I get a chance. Yeah, Aww, so if he's here, nice. he, he was here recently, but I didn't know he was in the UK, but he wasn't in London, so I didn't meet up with him. But I listen to some like mistakes. I listen to Quick Stop. I listen to yourself, the guys over at Pit Stop Fracas. But some some part, I don't really, yeah, I don't really listen I because I, I don't know. I'm, I find that a lot of people are jumping on this. Let's create content. Let's create content. But what's your content? <laughs> is your content just for gimmicks or are you presenting factual information, you know, that people can actually rely on and, you know, and base certain things off, you know, so everyone's just jumping on this thing. Let's create content. And the content that they're putting out, is not that great. It's absolutely not that great. I was um, 
Yeah. I was on my Instagram recently and something popped up for this content creator. And when I listened to it, I was like, what in the hell are you talking about? That's not the information that's <laughs> out there. You're actually telling lies when the actual information is out there. So yeah. people are putting out content just to put in our content and they're not mm. presenting any factual information. Yeah. You know, hey, you see what yeah, happened. There's a lot of that. You see what happened last, night with those, last week with those guys from um, I don't know, what are they called Pit Stop? Pit Stop is the part name of the park. I, with those guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, saying, I know what you're talking about. We, yeah, we don't know yeah. nothing, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's their shtick. Exactly. So why are you doing a, a F1 podcast, right? When you don't really care about the sport, you don't know anything about the sport. Yeah. You don't even know who the mm-hmm. driver was that was sitting in front of you. What's the yeah. what's the point of you doing this? Are you doing <laughs> this because crazy. you actually like the sport, or are you just doing it for as a because okay, mm-hmm. it would get you some followers, it would get you some clicks and some likes and some traffic on your YouTube channel, and you at some point yeah. you can monetize monetize it and so on. So I'm cool. The sport is for everybody, and I have no problem with it. It's free, so. People should come in and watch. I don't really care whether you, you're DTS. I, re, I very rarely refer to people as DTS fans because <laughs> there has to be an avenue yeah. for someone to come into the to get into the sport. And if if your avenue was that's via right. DTS, I have no problem with it. That's how you got in. That's how you got in. But if you if you if you get in through that door, and you've then taken the opportunity to learn about the sport, inform yourself and so on, then that tells me that you actually, you care. But you have a lot of people who come in through that door and they really don't give a damn. They just, they don't, they don't take the opportunity to, <laughs> right. you know, build their knowledge base, you know, be more informative, understand the whole technical aspect of the sport and everything about it. They just, oh yeah, I mean, let's, I saw it on Netflix, so let me just come in and now they start doing podcasts. <laughs> I mean, I take the approach, I'll tell you, I take the approach kind of that, like, I definitely think that, you know, and I came in largely through Drive to Survive, not entirely, but not 100%, but largely. And, you know, yeah, for sure. I don't care how people come into anything, you know, what gets them first interested in it. And I think that if you're just a fan uh, who watches or, you know, talks to your friends about it or talks to people at the bar about it or at the pub, as you would say. Um, and uh, then things, then I don't care if you're just a casual fan who doesn't know every detail and every, you know, whatever. I think that when you're somebody that makes content about something, though, you should have at least some exactly. baseline it. level of knowledge. And that's, of course, why people got upset. And that's why you know, people follow it. People are going to so listen to you because, because if your content, yeah. your content also has to be informative. It can't just be you, just you and your friends sitting yeah. down talking nonsense and geeking like, okay, where's... <laughs> right. I mean, that can be funny. That can be funny, but, you know, it does, it's better. Yeah, there has to be some knowledge. It, because, like, that's, I, I mean, it. I saw a clip yeah. with that same, yeah. I don't even like, I don't even like, I, I don't even want to plug them, but I saw a clip where they asked <laughs> the guy do it then. <laughs> what teams Seb Vettel drove for. And they literally didn't know one of them said Haas, and I was like, okay, this this, this, this is <laughs> oh, just, no. are you actually being serious, or are you actually, me-? and and I get the impression that he genuinely didn't know, but you're presenting a podcast about Formula One, right. and you don't, you can't tell the teams that said Vettel yeah. drove for, I mean, what does that say? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think if you're just a fan, there should be no barrier to entry for sure. And like the way that people, you know, this past season of drive to survive. Um, I mean, I, I'm not as 
interested in watching it anymore as I probably used to be before I was more like a, you know, fully fledged fan. Uh, but I, I still watch it because, you know, people are going to talk about it. And I, I'm curious how things are presented, you know, and framed and all that. And in this past season, there was somebody that came up to Seb to get their autograph, uh, his autograph. And uh, she said something like, um, I've, I forget what she said. Like she's been watching him since he was at Ferrari or something like that. Meaning she wasn't watching when he was at Red Bull. And you know, there were people online who were like, Oh, you know, what you're, so you've been a fan for like five minutes, things like that. It's like, again, you can be a fan and you don't have to know everything. You don't have to know, you know, it's like the way also that often gets levied more yeah. against female fans, as I'm sure, you know, um, you know, and people who are, who are like, Oh, you're an F1 fan, you know, name every part of an F1 car or something something like that you know whereas a man says to another man that they're an f1 fan it's just like oh okay cool cool you know there's no there's no barrier to entry usually there as much as it is for female fans and so when people when it's things like that i'm like no that's you know there shouldn't be a barrier but yeah when you're making some kind of content and there can be like i do enjoy some content creators myself who are maybe they have knowledge or et cetera, but their content might be more just like frivolous and fun or silly or something like that. And that's fine too. I think that whatever people do that, you know, is ent it's entertaining to somebody and if people are enjoying it, then, then cool. But, uh, but yeah, if you're, it, it is a big problem, I think in the fandom in general and something that's like one of the reasons that I'm uh, still, even though I haven't been doing this for that long, one of the reasons that I want to be here and want to make content is because I'm kind of hoping to try to use knowledge I have about in terms of like media literacy, in terms of the way journalism works, in terms of the way that reporting works, because I've, I've worked in that industry myself, not in sports, but in other areas. And so, um, you know, and it shouldn't be arguably that different in sports as it is in other types of reporting, although we do see large differences oftentimes, um, you know, but I, I'm hoping to like bring that knowledge and that perspective to this that, you know, a lot of people may not have. Like I, I'm constantly uh, surprised where, you know, people will share something online and it's from some you know, bizarre, like no name source or something that's not a, you know, not really a real, or it's like someone's blog or something like that, or whatever the case may be, um, you know, and they share it. And then of course, a lot of people look at it uncritically and don't realize that it may not be factually based and it may not, you know, have accurate information and stuff like that. And then it gets spread all over the place. And then yeah. now, now it's too late to, to really, you know, and so it's like, people have to have that knowledge to be able to look at something and say, okay, this might be true, but you know, it's probably just a rumor or like this is, or to like, when you read a story, like even just a text, just, just the text, a story that's, uh, you know, just telling you whatever it's telling you about a team or a driver, let's say, or whatever, or some situation, you know, when you read it and you can look at certain things, like who have they talked to for the story? What are the different, who are, you know, oftentimes in, in formula one and in, sadly in other things too, you know, you'll have like, it's a story. There's like, it's just like one person mm -hmm. said this yeah. thing, you it's know, <laughs> And it's not, you know, there's no, it's, that's not a real story. I mean, it's, you know, it's something for people to talk about and like, stuff like, like creates, that gets a lot of attention. It's that sure, shock factor. But... It, creates, it creates a buzz. It creates, it gets traffic. Yeah, it exactly. gets clicks. And I think, so a lot of, yep. a lot of people do that, mm -hmm. you know, create, to create a hysteria. And it, from once it yeah. creates a buzz, it gives them viewership, yeah. you know, and I guess in some. Yeah. And people claim to hate that. A lot of people talk about like, oh, you know, I hate, it's like clickbait or whatever, but then they're the ones, you know, retweeting something or posting something that, 
you know, that is, is shameless clickbait or like when people who have, if you have a large platform, yep. I feel like, you know, you have a responsibility of some kind to, to try to present uh, factual information insofar as you, as you can. I mean, of course, sometimes everyone gets things wrong or you might post something or even somebody who is in an official journalistic capacity can post something and it might turn out to not be right. Or th then you have to, then you have to do your best to try to correct it. You have to, you know, then, then say, okay, that was an error and here's the correct information, whatever. But it's like when people with these large, large platforms sometimes online, like recently there was this uh, account on Twitter that's, I guess, for, um, you know, for Tifosi, for Ferrari fans, that's got like 135,000 people following them or something on Twitter. I mean, even though those numbers don't necessarily reflect, you know, the reality sometimes, or who knows if they've bought those, yeah. or I don't know. But like, <laughs> but, um, you know, they had the, the, there was like this tweet that got a lot of attention where they were like, oh my God, it oh. turns out Mercedes had input on the, when the hybrid engine from 2007 was, you know, was and, and like an engineer I, I know the right tweet. i like, remember what a scandal. i know the tweet because <laughs> because i had to comment on the tweet and like i mean do you guys actually know what you're talking about because uh. there this rumor that mercedes had somehow insider information about what the power unit were going to be for 2014 from 2007 kind of like that's a bit odd given that these regulations weren't fully agreed until 2011. I think it was in June 2011, they were fully agreed after the original idea that they had. And, you know, Mercedes actually started working on based on the information that they were given, which they had to scrap because Ferrari came back and said, well, inline four cylinder really doesn't do anything for us as a manufacturer because we don't build cars with inline fours yada 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 so they had to scrap it they came back yeah but like even beyond all that even beyond all that any team would take especially in formula one where we know it's an extremely competitive extremely you know uh type of environment where you will kind of do anything to win and we see teams do that consistently you know where they'll do anything to win gain any advantage they can any team if they have an opportunity to have input which mm -hmm. they all kind of do you know the engine manufacturers in this case yeah. would would do the same like there's no no one's gonna it's not it's not some big exactly. uh, it's not uh, it's not it's not the or scandal and but you, it's but not you, a gotcha like moment that, that they were looking yeah. for to prove because what you presented right. and the worst part about <laughs> right. it, the person the clip wasn't even a mercedes engineer he was sam bird who was a test driver, simulator driver for Mercedes. So he wasn't actually an engineer, so he didn't know what he was talking about. But they presented <laughs> this information as a gotcha moment. It got a lot of clicks. I got a lot of views. It got a lot of angry yeah. fans, yeah. T-Forces, Red Bull fans, people screaming, oh, see, Lewis mm -hmm. Hamilton should lose his, seven cha his championship because they're legal and all. And I'm like, <laughs> but it created the oh buzz God. it wanted to create. You know what I mean? Because it got, it had the clicks, it, it sure. had the traffic. Because yeah. if you look at the traffic, it probably tells you, yeah. told you it probably had like a hundred and odd thousand views or whatever it is. Which I think eventually they I'm deleted sure. the tweet I'm because sure. they realized, yeah. And the, yeah. and the funny thing about it, the funny thing about it, the person <laughs> who gave them that information is another person who creates content, but his content is so in factual, in so factually wrong. Is that? Is that how I phrase it? Factually wrong? Yes. It's yeah. so factually yeah. wrong. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. But these are the people who are presenting information that someone out there takes that person's information, yeah. runs with it, runs with it without thinking to themselves, hold on a second. This doesn't seem right. Let me go on 
look yeah. look further into this. Yeah, it's a, it's a real problem. It's, it's a real problem that people don't know how to evaluate information that they're receiving. And I think this is you know, it, 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 and I think it's, this it's is where the, the whole do. people then come in with the DTS fan sort of narrative because someone like me, right? When I saw the vid, the clip, the, the tweet, and I listened to it, I started to laugh to myself because I know the whole backstory of how they got to the power, <laughs> the, the 2014 power unit. So I knew right away that information you're presenting is actually false. It's not actually correct because I know the full story. But you'll have someone who are a newer fan, right, don't know this, and they immediately take this mm-hmm. on board as to being actually true. And, you know, and they run with yeah. it. And, and, and that's the yeah. dangerous part about it. When we talk about you have to be careful that the information you put out there because your information is what forms For other sure. people's opinion. And if you're going to present false information, it's going to fall, present false opinion from a lot of people. So you have to be very careful. You can't just throw anything out there. But again, you have those who do it for the shock value of it. For the, because, okay, if I can generate yeah. traffic. You know, I, if people are interested, especially in this, let me know because I'm, uh, I've been wanting to do like a kind of like a media literacy type episode. Like here's, here's how you look at things critically. Here's how you can be like, you know, try to, try to suss out what's actually true and what's not, whether this reporting is good or not, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm probably going to do something like that soon. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, because I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to do it like as a mm-hmm. service to try to help people because I know that it's not something that, you know, it's not like something you're taught in school. And this is a problem obviously not just in people consuming information about formula one and other sports, but in, in much more serious topics too, where people are reading things or watching things online about all kinds of topics and get all kinds of bizarre ideas when it's just some like conspiracy theorist making a video or something like that. And people are like, Oh my God, you know, like it's uh, I can't believe it. And it has no, no factual basis. Very quickly, before we do our um, tweet of the week, which is something we try to do on every episode, I wanted to ask you, uh, even though this may not be a quick thing, um, you know, about basically Mercedes. Like, this is where we kind of, I feel like we've had, like, some maybe, you know, sort of disagree, not disagreement, but, like, we view things, I think, a little bit differently in terms of what's going on with Mercedes and um, as far as, you know, the technical missteps uh, this season, last season, et cetera, and, and who uh, is accountable for that, who might be to blame or, you know, what, what they, what they should be doing to turn things around. Talk to me about, you seem to be someone who has, you know, uh, at least it seems like to me, uh, total faith in the team and total belief that everything's going to be okay. They're going to figure things out. They didn't make a mistake maybe this season, or do you feel, or, or do you feel that they did and sticking with the concept from last season? Well, okay. Cause that. I've been, I've been accused of being a Mercedes um, defender and I get, and apparently I'm on the payroll, but, <laughs> well, yeah. which but, is I okay. Mean, but, but the thing is, how you this feel. is how I look at it, right? With the beauty of hindsight, people, you can say a lot of things, right? And I think a lot of what be, people are saying now is based on hindsight, not what, not what presented itself at the time. I, you know, I've you've heard a lot of stories. The, you know, they chose the wrong concept um, in twenty last year. People were saying, oh, they chose the wrong concept. But what was the right concept? It was the first set of regulations, and in the, when you have a first set of regulations. Your your task is to go in as hard as you can to try 
and get yourself a firm footing so you build yourself an advantage so you so at least by the time some you know you you're so far ahead by the time people catch up it's too late case in point 2014 with the power unit took took teams all all forever how long to catch them up so what they did last year, I had no problem with the concept, with their approach because they had to do something different. They wanted to get themselves ahead of the curve. Unfortunately, something presented itself that they didn't um, factor into their whole equation. I don't think any team, with the exception of Adrian Newey, factored in the porpoising because everybody experienced it. Ferrari experienced it worse than Mercedes. The problem for Mercedes was it came on, it, it started to manifest itself at a lower speed. While for Ferrari, it's a, it's a it's at a higher speed. Now, throughout the year, they were dealing with problems. You know, if it was just one problem, then we'd understand. But they were dealing with multiple problems, and you could see that they were making progress as the year got on. Now, the one in Brazil, there were circumstances around that that win, and you can understand, you can somewhat understand why they believe that. You know. It wasn't just the Brazil win that gave them the confidence to say, okay, we're going to stick to this concept or we're going to evolve it for this year. It wasn't that. You could see over the season, from the second half of the season, Lewis scored more points than... The only person who scored more points than Lewis was Max, the second half of the season. So there was a, And there was a run where they went five straight races on the podium. So you could see that they were improving. So there were signs there that they were improving. So it was... I can understand why they didn't... They thought, well, we're not going to ditch it. As yet, because you know we have a belief that there's goodness in it. It can work, and I'm cool with that because they're they're trying to make something work. Coming into this year, again, they 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 made the changes that they they needed to make. Some of it didn't work. Some some work. You know, they said in testing that the car they see we see now won't be the car, the same car come up. Come, I think it said race six. They told us this from testing. So, so all the information we're all what we're seeing now, and the information that we're getting now about car, the car is going to change for Imola, was already known. But people, people tend, I always say people hear but they don't listen. There's a difference between hearing something and listening. So you hear something, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. But if you listen closer to True. what they were saying, you'd have understand that the first six races, the first five races mm-hmm. of the season is going to be a nightmare for them. They, they literally say. Well, and it has to be yes, said they, that they did make yes, gains, make gains. obviously, over the winter, except that, you know, it, a lot of, they just didn't, ex- and this no is, one expected Red Bull. And to this is the thing. I had a conversation. The, I think you know, it was in one of my spaces, I had a conversation and I had a, another one with Bryson a couple of weeks after where people were saying they set their targets too low. And I'm like, but how can you say they set their targets right. too low? What was the target? Because there was, um, I can't remember where I mm-hmm. watched it, where they said they pretty much have an idea of how much a team is going to improve its performance the following year based on certain data that they gathered they gather throughout the season. So it's only obvious that they they probably, their information said, well, Red Bull is probably going to in- improve the performance maybe by half a second. So we're currently a se- right. we're currently half a second behind. So if we want to be on the same foot, we need to increase. We need to get our second and a half in terms of performance. So they've got a target. But what you don't know is you don't know how quickly, how well the other team is going to improve. Red Bull turn up and they've Im- improved beyond what anybody thought they would have. Right. Same thing right. for us. So, <laughs> yeah. so the idea to say it's now insane. that they set their targets 
two laws, but what was you don't even know what the targets were. You cannot say they say it. so. Hindsight is is what's driving a lot of these things. Okay, they've admitted. They've admitted. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. They've I agree admitted with that. that. I agree with you know, that. I, yeah. The concept, looking at it now, because I think they knew the concept wasn't going to work, which is why they were working on making um, the, the package come for Imola. So, so they pretty much kind of knew. I think they said they just they had an idea. It wasn't going to work. They, they would need to make change, but they needed to get that verification based in what, on Bahrain, and they got that answer. Now, right. I'm cool. Mystic. Mistakes yeah. happen. <laughs> they sure did. They got it wrong. And the, the, the thing is where I give them credit, most people won't agree with this, is the fact that they come, they came out and they said, yeah, we got it wrong. We're going to have to make changes. And, you know, we've, we've started the process of making those changes. We're doing things differently. We're seeing where we're making significant gains by taking a different approach to what we're doing. That's the most, because remember, yeah. To, to the first thing to um when it comes to crisis management is you have to actually acknowledge that you have a crisis. If you keep saying, "Oh, we don't have a crisis," it's like Ferrari. Right. The whole entire Maranello is burning down, and they keep <laughs> like saying, Ferrari, "Oh no, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, oh, we believe in our pack. We believe in our concept. It's going to work." And and uh, and everyone's like, "Exactly." That seems to be their mo. That seems to be their MO because this year, last year it was Mattia Binotto. Yep. This year it's Fred Vasseur. I thought maybe we would see a different attitude from a different person. Exactly. But it must be something to do with Ferrari that like you're just like not allowed so to say Mercedes, that there's a problem. Mercedes has said, or, or yes, something. I think they made mistakes <laughs> along the way. You know, you know, the, the statements from Lewis saying, oh, they didn't listen to me. Yeah. And people have taken that on board like, okay, they, they didn't listen. If they had listened to Lewis, the car would be, you don't know that. We don't even know what what we don't even know what exactly yeah, no, I, what Lewis I meant I, when he yeah, said they that, didn't yeah. listen. What was he talking about? We right. don't know. The Mistapex podcast recently did an episode with Matt Summerfield, right? He's the yeah. technical analyst for Autosport and that's right, it. is right. it Autosport or the race? Yeah. yeah, and he read out the actual quote that Lewis was talking about. Um, what Lewis said when he and I can't remember exactly what he said, but Lewis wasn't talking about the overall concept of the car. He was talking about something and sure. Lewis is a driver. Yes, he's the driver and he's the one sitting in the car and he knows what he wants, but you're not going to overrule a whole entire technical department and say, this is exactly what, because, because what, right. if, okay. No, it's, it, yeah, that was, yeah. that came up in my ask an F1 engineer thing too, because people did ask, you know, that was something that was a question that someone had was like, uh, what, how much you know, do engineers take the driver's feedback into account? And of course they take it into account, but they're at the, at the end of the day, engineers are dealing with data and with numbers and they're, they're not really able to, especially during the design process, there's not, you know, they get feedback from the drivers of course, and from maybe their test drivers or whoever, but it's like, there's only, uh, they're not going to be like, Oh, uh, uh, you know, my data says this and the driver says that. Let me just go against everything that that our data says. Has Lewis suggested something yeah. to them, and they go, "No, Lewis, we're not going to do that." And they went their way, and it works. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a complex process. So you too. can sit here and a say, "Oh, they should have listened process. to Lewis." They, okay, what if they had listened to Lewis and it still went pear-shaped? Who are you, who are you going to blame, Lewis or the team? Because then you're going to turn around and right. say, "Well, why did you listen to Lewis? He's just a driver." So it's a no-win. It's a no-win situation for them in, in that regard. <laughs> right. But, you right. know, like I said, that's true. I can give them credit. Yeah. 
you have to give them credit because the because they they then came out and they were bold and they said, look, yeah, we got it wrong. We didn't do a good enough job, and this is not good enough for a team like us to asp- who's aspiring to win. And this is where my my trust comes in to them because that team won seven championship eight eight championships in a row. You don't win eight championships in a row by not knowing what you're doing. They made a mistake, and they've now they've got to rectify that mistake. And I think they've bought themselves enough real estate to be given the time, given the opportunity. Yes, and, and I think majority of the reaction to what's going on stems from Abu Dhabi 2021. Because which people are yeah. still... Yeah, I think you're right. I think if exactly. it wasn't for that, it, we had, wouldn't have... People had wouldn't it gone down how it should have gone angry. down, no one would have yeah. been this angry. But the fact is, it right. went that way, and Lewis is now... Yeah, Lewis right. doesn't have much time left in Formula 1. And we want to see him get right. retain, re, right. um, retrieve what was stolen from him, you know, and he and his ta- right. his window to do that is closing day by day by day because I only think yeah. he has two more years left in Formula One. He's going to sign that yeah, contract. You never know. Fernando's still yeah, uh, doing he, well. You see, Fernando he's... is trying to prove something to somebody. Lewis has nothing to do. Fernando is trying he's <laughs> in his team. He's, he wants that third title but he's never going to get that third title so Lewis you're going to have to wheel that man out yeah, of there well, on a journey st- mark my stay. words he's like, trying he's, to, he's trying he's... I still maintain Lu- um, Fernando is trying to one up Lewis so he's trying to do something so he can get one up and right, Lewis but that's right. never going to happen doesn't matter how many yeah yeah, did you see? Did you see how there was a thing recently where he said something about how it would be fun if yeah, uh, Lewis he and I could close our, our careers he, as teammates I don't on think, the same team? I don't think he wants to do that because, <laughs> given how it went the last time, the first time it happened, I don't think he wants. He it's just yeah, it's just I mean, Alonso's speech right now. I gotta say, yeah, it would be I, kind think of he, I think he, I think he'd realize he'd then probably regret it once it happened because. Because he's gonna realize, yeah, it's, probably, yeah, probably, but, but yeah, my, yeah, it was the rookie did me. Fun. The rookie was this good. <laughs> I mean, a thirty-eight-year-old, seven-time world yeah, champ, eight-time yeah, world champion, Lewis Hamilton is a different, is a different kettle of fish. So, but, but to go back to the, yeah, your, your, yeah, exactly, your question, you know, exactly. I don't think anybody, <laughs> the team has held their hand up and they've accepted blame for it, and you have to. People might not agree with me on this, but you give them credit because it takes it takes some character to hold your hand up and say, "Yeah, we literally we screwed up, we messed up big time." Sure, you know, and and now they're trying to okay steer the ship, we um you know put the ship back on course, and I think they can do it because they have the people, they have the resources, they they have everything in house to do what they need to do. They're not stupid, and I genuinely believe that they will get it done. You know, will it be within the two years that Lewis still has left? Yeah, I think they will. I, I, I personally, I've come out and I've said it. You know, I've nailed, nailed my flag to the mast. Okay, all right. Yeah, I nailed you my flag it, to the mast. And I said next year they're going to be tied to contenders. <laughs> I think from the get go they're going to be they're going to be pushing. Okay, yeah, okay. I, I hope um, you're right. I hope you're I'm, right. Obviously. I'm more trying here on the side of um, optimism rather than pessimism because a lot of people are like, why are you so optimistic? And I'm like, why shouldn't I be? Why should I? Why am I going to sit here and like, no, I don't believe in Merced. I don't think that because I'm like, you're talking <laughs> about a team that won eight championships. You don't, again, 
over multiple regulations. Yeah. It's not like they did it on the one set of regs. They did it over, I think it was three different set of regulations. So you don't do that right. because you don't, you're not good at your job. They made a mistake. Let's let them, okay. I'm right. still going to ride with them whatsoever. Yeah. I like your opt- optimistic attitude and I, and I do, I try to stay optimistic too. And I think, um, I think that's how we should leave it at that because, you know, hopefully it'll be this beautiful yeah. redemption arc. Uh, as you say, maybe we'll see it even as early as next year. That would be fantastic. I would be fine with it even if it wasn't right away next year, because I, I do feel that obviously, you know, the team has uh, two of arguably, some, you know, have the best driver lineup on the grid in uh, on the grid. Um, so even if the car is not necessarily the best car, we still have, you know, still a pretty good chance. I think a lot of the time, which is uh, so I'm going to I think I'm going to adapt your optimistic attitude. I like it. <laughs> I'm you've, you've convinced me, let's say for now. And I'm going to try to be I'm going to try to be uh, as optimistic as you okay. from now on. I like it. Okay, we're going to do very quickly our tweet of the week, um, and then we'll wrap up. So um, this week, uh, we had a fun uh, tweet of the week winner from our very, very loyal listener, um, Hector Rodriguez, who's Rocket Cheddar on Twitter, uh, which is a fun name that I always enjoy seeing in our mentions. um, Hector had a really funny response to, um, I posted the video that Lewis uh, had posted on his Instagram, where he's in the pool with his niece and nephew, (laughs) and like he does a cannonball into the pool lewis does which is hilarious you know he's he's like a big kid really lewis you know um and he is it's funny and it's fun so he does a cannonball then his niece does the cannonball and then and then someone throws in his nephew which is funny and and it just looks like so much fun he's having the greatest time (laughs) uncle lewis content is always some of our favorite content um ever out there because it's so cute it's so sweet um and uh and so and hector uh said though that i bet he crushes them monopoly later yeah, though no mercy yeah because he <laughs> says he's a bit like, yeah maybe competitive. he says he does a i lot can of see it he's competitive in yeah. everything he does so i'm i feel sorry for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, all these guys are, all these guys are, you know, they're, they're the, like, it could be the stupidest, simplest thing. Yeah. And they, they definitely want to be the best at it, no matter what. Um, they're all like that Where for sure. Are. Otherwise they wouldn't be, you know, um, racing drivers. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, he even, and Hector actually posted, which I'm going to put a link for you guys. Um, I think he found it on Etsy. There is a formula one oh, version yeah, of monopoly that he found okay. on there, which I thought looked really cool. Yeah. It looks like, it looks really fun like lewis there's different drivers faces on the money it's like very well made it looks very very cool and um it's hard to see like the street names but i'm sure they're names of circuits i think instead of you know the usual street names yeah yeah i think that's what they are and so that looks super cool and i'm sure a lot of people would want to buy that as a gift for the f1 fan in your life maybe or for yourself um like i'm kind of looking at it going like oh you know i i I might need to get that yeah it looks pretty cool so thank you hector uh hector has won tweet of the week in previous uh episodes as well and once again hector's like the is like the lewis hamilton of tweet of the week he wins it i'm gonna have to start competing so good job again there hector um 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe someone else can present a challenge. Give it a try. Give it a try, guys. When you reply to things we post, if they're funny or informative or interesting, you too might be a big winner of, again, no prize whatsoever, but our eternal love and admiration and appreciation for you. So that's got to be worth something, I think. Um, so, so yeah, we'll wrap up. Um, so Neil. Uh, thank you name. so much for joining you call us. It, you call it my name, like oh. <laughs> I know. So, I f- I feel weird saying so it. I feel weird saying it too. Yeah, it's strange. It's a strange feeling. I know. Well, again, tell people where they can find you online. Yeah, you can find me on know, as usual on Twitter. Reminder. Just going anywhere where you see a dumpster fire happening and there's chaos. That that's probably <laughs> my account. So you can find me at Thanos eight seven six. That's um seven. <laughs> H-A-N-O-S-876. I'm always on Twitter creating havoc, but I do it. I do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of other people you could say that about yeah. in terms of a dumpster true. fire on Twitter, but that's, but that's, that's, that's an elite but group. You can find me say. on there. I yeah. normally, um, <laughs> race weekends, I tend to host a Twitter space uh, for like, I do them for during, I do them the whole weekend. So I do practice sessions, I do post qualifying and I do post race um, Twitter spaces. So if 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 anybody wants to come in, it's a it's an informal sort of chat. Everybody's free to come in. If you want to come in and say give your piece, your opinion, we let you in. Even if even if you want to talk about toilets in India, which I had someone did once, you're free to come. In. <laughs> All right. Um, as usual, thank you guys for listening. If you've made it this far, especially uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials. We are at racing underscore incident on Twitter and Instagram. You can, of course, please do subscribe to the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel in the future. Hopefully we'll be doing more things than just posting video from the podcast. We shall see. Uh, but um, definitely give us a subscribe, a like, um, you know, comment if you have questions or concerns. You can also email us. Uh, the email is racingincidentpod, so racingincidentpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, let us know. We're always here to listen, if not necessarily to reply or take your advice on board. Uh, just kidding. I will. Pr- I, I usually am very open-minded to things like that, especially if you're a loyal listener. Let us know uh, how we can do better, if there's something you're interested in us doing let us know um and yeah give us five star review if you're listening on spotify or apple podcasts uh and i think uh other than that we are done we will say bye thank you so much for listening we are a small independent platform and we appreciate each and every one of you racing incident is hosted by me anna tarkov and it is produced by me tim rodriguez and flip medley You can find all our episodes on racingincident.com. Thanks again for listening, and remember to always keep pushing the limits. Charles, what's happened with Max? Nothing, just an incident on the race. And if you don't give them five stars, Thanos is going to come and look for you. I've I've got the Infinity Stones. Remind him. I've got got the Infinity Stones. That's right.